Hi there. Welcome to Shrink Chat. This is the companion show to our main podcast, Terror Talk. My name is Shannon, and I'm joined every week by my friend, Kathy. On this show, we talk about psychology and media and whatever else comes up. It's a bit looser. So hang out and welcome to Shrink Chat. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Shrink Chat with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. It is August 27th. If all went well, we are going to go see Candyman tonight. I don't know. Maybe tonight, maybe some other night, but either way, we're looking forward to it. We're pre-recording this, obviously. But I wanted to start out by telling everyone and warning everyone, but also making everyone who is a fan of the Shrink Chat show a little bit more comfortable with what's going to happen right now. This is our last branded the show is called shrink chat show yes okay but we're not going away but shrink chat is not dying (laughs) what is happening is all the things that you hear in shrink chat the movie reviews the horror facts the what the hells uh the buddy watches events horror news all that stuff plus more other ideas we have for the future is all getting incorporated into the terror talk show. So what's going to happen is if you are just, if you are mostly a listener of shrink chat, what you're going to do is, is you're just going to download the terror talk episode every week. That's going to come out on Wednesdays like it does. And all of your shrink chat goodness is going to be within that show. And it's just going to be a bigger show that incorporates all the things that we do. So you can just skip around and listen to what you like Mm -hmm. or listen to the whole thing at your leisure, you know, part of it one day, part of it another day, like you do with a lot of the podcasts that you listen to that are longer. It's kind of the trend in podcasting is you either do like 10 minute shows daily (laughs) or you do two hour shows or an hour and a half show with a bunch of different segments as if it was live type of thing. So that's the direction we're going. So please... Do and don't fear. worry, Horror Facts with Kath <laughs> is not going away. No, and she's got, for those of you who are not patrons, but you've been following along because we do a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff on there, and we, we vet out new ideas on there, and some of them work and some of them don't. But we have other trivia stuff to break out in Season 4 it's that we've story. been workshopping there. So do not fear... But I did want to celebrate for you and I that this is the last Shrink Chat show. I know. And Shrink Chat started a couple of years ago. And we started it as some as like a think tank show, like a show to have fun with because Tara Talk got super serious. And so we just, we've workshopped a lot of cool stuff here and now it's become its own show, which I didn't really expect. And it was always supposed to be an experiment that we could incorporate into Terror Talk and we are finally ready to do that. So we hope that everyone who listens to this show will go on that journey with us and also give us your ideas and suggestions for the future. As everyone knows who's given a suggestion, we generally follow through and try it out, whatever it is. So please do that. Anyway, congratulations. Congratulations to you. (laughs) We're just switching it up a little bit. We're going to move on over to that other show and make it happen, but none of it's going away. So on that note, the next segment is a little thing we like to call sex with chaos. Thank you. Appreciate that. You are consistently weird. (laughs) (laughs) And you're not the first person who's told me that. No. Number one, 
Shannon. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Kevin Bacon was offered the lead role, but ended up choosing Footloose instead. <laughs> okay. Number two. Mm. This one's for Ice. Nicholas Cage auditioned for the role of Buddy. Oh. Number three. In order to conceal the stunt driver, the car windows were blacked out, which made it difficult for him to see, being that most of the scenes were filmed at night. Imagine that. Imagine that. Number four. Since the movie did not use many big names, the budget was used to make 17 versions of the machined villain. Wow. And lastly, number five, this was the second project John Carpenter was asked to adapt by Stephen King. Oh, I don't know. Car, Shannon. It's a car. Oh, Christine? There you go. Oh. (laughs) 17 Christines. Oh, yeah, that's that makes lot. sense, though. Yeah, I mean, doesn't it? Kind I guess. Of? I don't know. That's a lot. I mean, that is a lot. But I mean, the, he, it seems wasteful. Well, no, but they're right. Like they didn't have to put the money into main stars. And John Carpenter, another thing that I was reading too is he really wanted the car to be the the central celebrity of the mm-hmm. movie. So if you cast Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. who was coming off Friday the Thirteenth, and people knew who he was, mm-hmm. then it was going to steal. The car. Yeah, for sure. And as you're saying that, I, I'm flashing on in our first season, we did an episode on Christine cars car. with Kathy and actually her brother. Yep. And those episodes are no longer available in the general world, but I am actually going through and editing each one just to bump up the sound and stuff. It was when we didn't have great right. sound. Edit up edited up a little bit. I didn't really do any editing back then. Edit up a little bit, bring up the audio and do actually singular blog posts about each episode from our season one and then put it um, on one of the tiers in our Patreon. So I'm working on that project. But when you said that, that's what I flashed mm-hmm. to was talking about Christine with your brother. So that's a nice that memory. Was, that was a fun episode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think you also had an event you wanted to break out for the people this one's all the way in seiko maine <laughs> oh let's go this is called the trail of terror mm. haunted walk oh that sounds fun I right like, i like yeah i like that's what i liked tours. about this one so take our 30 minute walk in the open air of the woods in maine behind aquaboggan water park <laughs> word first this, of all this year it might be aquabogan i don't know I, I don't i like the way you said it this year features 18 scenes and new thrills that are unique and never before seen or experienced this year is a guideless haunt so you walk through socially distanced which adds on a certain revved up <laughs> scare factor so i will say that doing this in a place like maine is probably flipping awesome i bet it's so awesome i'm just reading it as you're talking about it and it's like deranged clowns and yeah decapitated corpses and i know you only have to be 13 to get in <laughs> right that sounds amazing and i have never been to maine i would actually like to go to maine also same. to go to the stephen king same i would we joint. should we should do a horror facts with kath trip to maine all right when when are we going let's go um <laughs> spring 
Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Noted. I think it needs to be at Put a time it on the calendar. Aren't you keeping a calendar of our... <laughs> where, where it isn't freezing, but also where it isn't like too warm. It still has to have spring. the main... Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's like a March. Well, March I'll be... You know, I'm out of the country in March. God bless America. Going to see my gorillas. Well, you let but me know when your schedule opens up. April. Okay. You're like, once a month I'm leaving. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Anyway. Cool. All right. I'm game. Hey, why not? I wanted to mention this piece of merch. Official Halloween Kills Michael Myers um, now me. mask now available from Trick or Treat Studios. Wow. Right? So it's simply the most icon- icon- iconic, excuse me, iconic mask in the history of horror. One cannot think of the film. I'm reading from Dread Central, by the way. Love that. Frightening white veil that disguises the face of Michael Myers, a thin layer of rubber that covers the unknown features of pure evil, a mask of legendary origins. As reported by our friends over at Bloody Disgusting, you can now order your very own copy of the iconic Myers mask from the upcoming film Halloween Kills at Trick or Treat Studios. The mask is sculpted by Christopher Nelson, Vincent Van Dyke, and Justin Mabry. This version is significantly burn damaged as a result of the fiery finish of 2018's Halloween. This mask directly from the movie Master and is an exact replica of the mask worn by Michael Myers in Halloween Kills. And then there's some pictures of it. Yeah. That's a good mask. You could pre-order it for $69.99 and they'll be shipping. Oh, they're already started shipping. So you guys are listening to this at the end of August. And as of August 13th, if you had pre-ordered it, it'll start shipping. And, you know, because Halloween Kills is going to premiere on October 15th. So they would like you all wearing this mask for Halloween so that you can promote their movie. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to that movie as well. Awesome. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Right on. I also have a what the hell Ooh. for us, which I. <laughs> okay. Give it to us. Yeah. So this is from Canada. It's from July 2021. And the name of the article is First Responders in Sherbrooke, Quebec apologize after mistaking fire victim for a mannequin. Oh, God. I know. Oh, God. First Responders say witnesses told them a silicone mannequin was on fire. This story contains graphic details, is the heading that it says. It also has a warning underneath that says this story contains disturbing details. So it's very much not wanting you to not be disturbed. The heads of the police and fire departments in Sherbrooke, Quebec, or Quebec, held a somber news conference Thursday afternoon apologizing and then explaining the circumstances that led them to mistake a woman's burnt body for a mannequin after disposing of it in a dumpster. Oh, my God. At the police station. Yeah, so Danny McConnell, the Sherbrooke police chief, said on July 23rd at around 10 a.m., firefighters received a call about a small brush fire near a factory. When they arrived, witnesses declared that someone had lit a silicon mannequin on fire. That was like, that was the report. That's the information they got. How do you mistake those two? We're going to find out. Okay. 
After discussions between the two departments, it was agreed that the mannequin would be disposed of in the container at the police service, which cannot be accessed by members of the public. So four hours after firefighters did so, meaning they threw it out at 2.15, a man filed a missing person report for his partner. Oh, God. Police then tracked the woman's cell phone signal to her car, which was parked on the same street where the fire had been. A police officer who intervened earlier raised the coincidence insightfully. So somebody went, hey, uh, maybe, you know, somebody just was like, what if, you know, and then they kind of figured it out. So then the statement was, we are obviously sorry about the situation and rest assured the family is being advised about every key detail of the investigation. You know, our hearts and minds are with them, et cetera. Yeah. Quebec, uh, Screwed up. On the day the incident happened last Friday, well, this is, you know, obviously in July, the police told Radio Canada that officers had been deployed to the corner of the streets where the fire was with a missing persons report in connection with the missing persons report. There had been no police spokesperson on duty at the time, so there was no press, etc. And, you know, they were kind of accused of not having transparency, right? They, right? they were sort of like hiding it in some way or something. I'm quite stunned by this news, and I can say that my entire team, the entire department, as well as those who were there that day are in shock. And that's sort of, you know, they felt bad. But then there's this part of the article that says, how could this happen? Like, how did this happen? And that's your question, right? Like, right. How, did, how did we get in this pickle? <clears throat> So they interviewed an anatomical pathologist named Dr. Robert Nicholson. Uh, He's from the Eastern Townships Granby Hospital. Says there are scenarios where it wouldn't be unreasonable to mistake a burnt body for a burnt mannequin. He explained that because the human body is composed of about 60% water, it can lose a lot of weight if it's severely burned. So a 150-pound person could essentially end up being about 60 pounds. Okay. So much more the weight of a mannequin, right? Because that's going to be one of the things you do is if you're of disposing of something, you're, you're thinking, oh, well, it's really light. This can't be a person. If somebody is a burn victim and most of the water is gone, then there's nothing but the results of the burn. It doesn't look like a normal person. It doesn't feel like a normal person. Nicholson said he didn't know the specific details of the case. Obviously, they're just interviewing him for it. But that he could imagine a scenario where if someone were to think it were a mannequin initially, quote unquote, there's nothing to tip them off otherwise without a thorough investigation or looking very closely, which obviously they should have done, but also they made a judgment and just decided it was a mannequin. Yep. And so then you're just not going to follow up, right? Well, and they do this a lot. I, I mean, they do this a lot when they just want to close a case too. Well, right. And I, I don't know how innocent it was. Who knows? We weren't there. We don't know if anybody had an idea and they just did it to make it oh, easy. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, Let yeah. me rephrase what I meant. Okay. I meant that um, once they had decided on that and they closed it, mm-hmm. um, reopening something like that. And I mean, it's just like, okay, we've closed it moving on. You right. know, I don't think they intended, well, let's call this a mannequin when it's a person. That's not right. what I meant. But okay. yeah, this stuff happens quite a bit. They'll rule things suicides that are homicides because they just want to close it. You know, the, unfortunately, you're trying to, you're, unfortunately, like there's a lot of backup, right? They're just yeah. trying to move through things. They're trying to so move through. It might not have been malicious, malicious. but it's going to obviously affect the person who 
lost yes. a loved one. The family. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, that's my very serious what the hell. Wow. Because what the hell? Yeah, that's gnarly. I liked that the part of the article was kind of at least attempting to give an explanation of why that would have happened. Yeah. Um, wow. Oof. And then uh, you can imagine how very bad those police probably felt. I mean, I would, because it, it seems like a pretty human mistake. But, I, 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 but yeah. Make your own opinion I about hope, that. I hope, hope they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seemed, I mean, I just go with thinking people are better <laughs> Yeah, and how I would feel like, I would feel like shit, basically. Oh God. We did a buddy watch, and this was Kathy's Choice, which I love. It's a movie called The Burbs from <sighs> 1989. It's a comedy. It's an hour and 43 minutes. Would you I've like? watched this movie so many times. That's amazing. It's comedy, Tom Hanks, etc. Do you want to wa- read the synopsis or shall I? Uh, go ahead, and then I'll go into some of my, if you have it up. I do. Settling in for some time off in his suburban home, Ray Peterson, played by Tom Hanks, vacation becomes a horror when the Klopex, a suspiciously odd family, move in down the block. Enlisting the aid of his paranoid buddy, who's played by Rick DeComan. DeComan? Who is hilarious very and was in a lot of stuff back mm-hmm. in the day and his militia man neighbor rumsfield which is played by bruce stern who is also hilarious amazing ray sends him his son and his wife carrie fisher away on a trip while he investigates the globex when a neighbor disappears ray and his cohorts risk their lives to save their cul-de-sac from the clutches of evil Corey feldman is also in this movie and and courtney gaines who plays hans kopeck Klopek. He is uh, amazing. He's in Children of the Corn. He's mm-hmm. one of the main guys in Children of the Corn. Yeah, so he was famous then too. So I love this movie for so many reasons. One, um, it's very nostalgic to me. I grew up in the suburbs. Uh, I grew up in the Midwest where, like I've said so many times on this show, that Halloween and scary movies and just fall and that time of year is just really. Um, a big part of living in the suburbs in the Midwest. So I remember when this came out and then watching it now, it just takes me back to living in the suburbs at, at, and also during a time where movies, like I don't feel like movies like this are made anymore. You can tell this is a universal backlot. You can tell that this, this is, this was the age of celebrity, meaning people weren't famous because they did uh, reality shows. They didn't, this was like, movie stars you had bruce stern tom hanks carrie fisher Corey feldman big names in this movie and it was as off the, it, the cuff and so ridiculous as it is <laughs> there's a sense of familiarity if you grew up in the suburbs and everybody being in each other's business and oftentimes thinking that things were going on when they weren't going on at all and everybody being nosy. So I <laughs> love this movie for so many reasons. Well, I had not watched it in a while. I did, I believe, watch it last year as part of my October binge where I watched 150 movies plus. And I I do I did watch it then. So it's been a few months. But that had been the first time I had watched it. In a while. Probably since the 90s. Yeah. Because it it hasn't been one of my rewatch ones for Halloween or whatever, but it certainly could be one of the like lighter ones, right? Like, yep. like I grew it's a up good in the, comedy horror. I grew up in the suburbs as well, from about the age of mm, nine or so. Before that, I was a city dweller and lived on the East Coast and the West Coast and bopped around. But about from the age of nine, I lived in the 
suburbs. So this was also the age of like E.T. and Poltergeist, yes. like all these movies, you know, yes. all these movies set in, in the suburbs. So you can find lots of suburban movies that have a horror or sci-fi or comedy tinge to them in that era. And uh, I really enjoyed I rewatched it because yeah. I always rewatch our whatever yeah. we decide to watch. I watched this one actually pretty frequently. I bought this with, um, it was a triple DVD and it had this. The Money Pit, which my, I love, and uh, um, Keaton. and Turner and Hooch. Oh my god! Oh, no, no, I just, not, sorry, sorry, not Turner and Hooch. I did just recently watch that. Me too. But is it uh, Dragnet? Was that the other one he was in? Okay. I don't know. It was anyway the two that I watched the most are The Money Pit and this and this one because yeah. The Money Pit is flipping hysterical. It's hysterical. Michael Keaton back in the day was a lot of fun. You mean Tom Hanks? Uh, the Money, Money Pit? Pit? Yeah, that's Tom Hanks. Oh that's when he buys the house. Oh, and it, I was thinking Michael Keaton is in that. No. That's so weird. What movie am I thinking of? I don't know. <laughs> he was like, um, wow. Now I'm going to, somebody's going to know and harass me. But now I'm, now I'm confused myself. But oh, Shelly, it's Shelly Long and, and they buy the home that's just crap and it keeps falling yes, apart. No, I remember it yeah. vividly. And you also have me now thinking of Turner and Hooch, which I did watch recently. Yeah, that's a good and one I too. just freaking that's Tom I just, Hanks. Come on, his older movies are so, so feel good. good. They're just so feel good in the eighties and nineties. So they're always a solid feel good watch for like a Sunday. Yeah, in my opinion. Yep. So what else did you watch? I watched a series called Dead House Dark on Shutter. I have watched that. Okay, I'd love to hear your opinion. So for for those of you who don't know what it is. There, it's six interconnected short tales of terror. I don't think they're connected at all, except for a couple of episodes. To me, it's a combination. They're very short episodes. They're like 12 to 16 minutes tops. I think the longest one may even be like 15 minutes and some seconds. The feeling that I get is that it's a combination of Creepshow and Black Mirror. That's how I would describe the what it's attempting to do. The vibe. The vibe. <laughs> um, I was incredibly disappointed. Okay. I thought it was terrible. You had some expectations though, I too, thought, probably. I thought because the episodes were short uh, that it would be almost like um, like an Edgar Allan Poe where sure. you would turn it on and you'd see this like 15-minute short that like really left you thinking. Okay. Um, I thought it was terrible. <laughs> and I thought the last episode my empire of dirt was so incredibly depressing it's disturbing isn't it it is that one was probably that one has nothing to do as far as i'm concerned with the rest of the series although somehow it's interconnected i understand how episode four and five are connected but but even five i had to watch twice because uh, unless i'm just a complete idiot i'm like i'm not following this mm -hmm. um I, I just didn't it didn't i would love to be able to say I, okay they were short that's the one positive thing I'll say about them. Um, I really did not care for them. I can tell. Yeah. So for those of you who listen to the show regularly, I actually had watched these and it looks like I talked about them in episode. So you might have gotten this from our discussion. Oh, like, I don't that's know. Why, you know, I know you, we both put things on our list. No, I, I just, I didn't have it on the list. I just saw it on there. So maybe I don't remember you talking about yeah, it. Yeah. So uh, May 14th, there's an episode of Shrink Chat where I discussed it. And okay. I, I watched it right when it came out. And we actually watched a couple of the episodes on the Discord at that point, I believe. I liked that they were short. I found the last episode very disturbing. It's about a, ho a hoarder. And I was, 
I liked that episode because it was horror. It was the best one, I that, think. That was my, I believe, I don't remember what I said about it either. But mm-hmm. what, I'm, what I'm remembering it, because it was back in May, <clears throat> what I'm remembering is that I liked that one the best because it was horrifying. And it, and made it had sense. horror elements. And it made sense to me. Like I yeah. understood what they were doing as and a standalone. As a standalone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the rest of them just didn't. I was. It's like they either tried too hard or didn't try hard enough, or they tried to make it over. You can't make something that complicated in fifteen minutes. Well, and I totally agree that the what we want from an anth- an anthology type of thing. Although this wasn't an anthology because they're not. They're all separate episodes, so it's six. It, they're supposed to be short stories, and it was. From what I remember, the idea was created because of the the one-line horror shorts, one-line horror stories type of deal. Mm-hmm. And so what they did is they took six of those. They took a one-line horror story, like a six-word horror story type of thing, those contests, and they made them into six short horror stories. Now, they were supposed to be tied together by the woman who receives the mystery box, and what I remember is that, uh, like you, it didn't tie together great. Mm-mm. I mean, there was an intention <laughs> to have mm-hmm. it tied together, but they didn't tie it together very well. So I, I totally agree with you on that. And I, I had like varying degrees of like what I, li- from what I remember, what I liked and what I didn't like. But I did, I did like the last one. Yes, depressing. I did like the last one better same than you just because it was actually horrifying and it scared me no i i didn't dislike the i think the last one was just incredibly disturbing but i think it was the only one that i found that was done well okay i, I thought the second yeah, i thought it was done well i mean i wouldn't rewatch it no this, i wouldn't rewatch any of it the but. second episode was tr- sort of clever that's the one that reminded me of black mirror where uh, she's following the coach right 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 right, right. and yeah I, I won't give it away but you know it, it has it's okay yeah, and I remember that the a lot of the reviews were saying like the last episode was like a super gross out because it is yeah. like gross and sad and super sad. There's a psychological component to it. That's another reason why I kind of liked it was you sort of right. got to see this. I like when they do psych stuff within horror. I mean, obviously, right? <laughs> we wouldn't be here if we didn't. It was, it was a hard one, and it, and for being only I think twelve minutes long, it was tough to get through. It was pretty hit or miss, mm-hmm. but they also had a lot of big directors. I mean, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Kent, etc. I mean, I think they were trying to live up to the scary stories to tell in the dark and the mortuary collection. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that one, but that one's really good as yeah. an anthology. But I mean, they were supposed to be like the fear of the dark web, I guess that's where you're getting the black mirror thing. Right. right. Okay, cool. We both watched the movie basket case. Oh my God. I just want to tell the people that, I, we, that we, I've seen this movie. Uh, so have you. I love this movie. We, I can't we, help it. We purposely watched it with friends because we love this movie. 1982 horror comedy, a 91 minutes. It has two sequels, kids. <laughs> Dwayne checks into a sleazy hotel with a wicker basket containing his telepathic Siamese twin. I mean, how are you not going to watch that? Well, let's just talk about the fact that the Siamese twin <laughs> is a stop motion clay <laughs> creature that looks like a volcano a child makes for a science fair <laughs> with really creepy t- snaggle teeth 
and it's and like clown hands. So silly. So silly creature effects. Check. Yeah, when he throws the chair. I can't. I mean, B movie glory. Really, it, I laugh so hard watching this movie. I mean, it's got gore. It's got nudity. It's absurd. It's absurd. <laughs> and it's got ridiculous creature effects. When he's having sex with the corpse. <laughs> There's that. The twin. There's that. And, but he's just kind of like, <laughs> like shifting because yes. he doesn't even have a penis. No, no. And then it just ends up like a bloody mess. It reminds me of, <laughs> I mean, it reminds me of the scene in reanimator where the head is like assaulting the woman on the table. Yeah. I mean, it's an exploitation. Totally. Movie. And also a psych movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's literally called basket Can case. Can we talk about the fact and that the they, basket case lives in a basket? Right. Like, I'm sorry. The it's and, just and they throw them out with the trash. You're we, like, that would have been medical waste. Because we used to call people who had <coughs> mental health issues all kinds of names <coughs> that we don't use anymore. And basket case was one of them. That's correct. But this is a basket case that lives in a basket. Right. And his basket caseness his mental health issues are that he was a Siamese twin. And so he's just a head with hands. <laughs> and rather than disposing him in medical waste, he gets thrown out with the trash. They remove him from his host. Don't which, you think the host would have had like a complete, like in, I mean, he's I know. totally fine. No, he's fine. I mean, they showed him with totally his little medical star, but after, yeah, yeah. It was like this big when they took off an entire head off the thing. I mean, a lot of people find this movie unwatchable, but it's right up your alley. It's right up our horror cheese. Oh, alley. It, it is. If, if you like B horror, this is at the top. I mean, it's hilariously disgusting, really. Agreed. Okay. And there was some boob foo. There was some boob foo. <laughs> what else did you watch? Oh, let's turn it down a notch to yes, a we? movie called Cruel Summer. Not the 2021. This one came out in 2016. Uh, deeply psychological thriller. More... I would say it was more of like a psychological drama, but it is also terrifying and more so because it's based on a true story. Okay. So Danny Richard Polsky, I guess that's the actor, mm. is an autistic teen. I like to say a teen with autism mm -hmm. um, with loving parents and a knack for the great outdoors. While camping alone, he's beset by a trio of ruffians who seek to torture him for reasons that may or may not be based in fact. Mm. As with most stories inspired by real acts of depravity, Danny's forested outing does not end well. It's deeply psychological. There, it ends up being that, um, like these four kids, I think three boys and a girl, um, I think they're high school age. One in particular ends up being the ringleader who ends up um, seeing him out on the camp in the woods and starts to harass him and starts saying things like, oh, I, you know, I heard you're fucking my girlfriend or da da. It starts like pushing him around. One thing leads to the next, and it's it's really like, 45 minutes of watching the, the movie's like an hour and a half, but it's like 45 minutes of watching him tormented and tortured and bullied. And, and it's a true story. He dies and you know, it ends with the parents like pulling up on Sunday, waiting in the woods, waiting for him to like pack his like, Oh, he'll be here any minute. Don't worry, blah, blah, blah. And it really is a lot about, uh, I thought it was going to be much more horror, but it really ends up being much more about how, 
incredibly depraved people can be and what bullying can lead to. And, you know, again, picking on someone who is not neurotypical and how terrified he must have been being there alone with autism. And we know with autism, you know, they're very sensitive to stimuli and they're mm-hmm. very intense. They're very sensitive to people intruding in their space and, you know, they become dysregulated. Anyone would, but more so. And, um, and then they show like at the end how, um, the main guy got sentenced to life. And then there was like, you know, second degree murder charges and all this. It was really, but like the reviews say it's morbidly beautiful. It's done very well. It's almost done in like a documentary form, but it's, um, it's tough. It's tough. Sounds tough. Sounds emotional. Sounds more like a drama. Yeah. But it it was, um, I want to say it was shutter or it was like, it was under a horror yeah, you know, thriller thing, but it was definitely much more of yeah, psychological drama. Okay. Yeah. Sounds depressing. <laughs> yeah, it was not, not what, sure if I'm going to run out and watch that. It's but. not what I thought I was going to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. I have watched this movie before, and I went into it thinking, "Oh, let's watch this," and and then I was like, "Oh, wait, I've seen this. It had been a, a minute." But I watched 2006's horror mystery thriller Bug. Okay. Hour and 42 minutes. This is with Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon. Oh, I love him. And it's directed by William Friedkin. Oh. So I have watched this movie before. This movie does not typically get great reviews by audiences or critics. (laughs) But I this movie touches me as far as like it disturbs me. And there is a psych component to it. It's claustrophobic. The camera work is really intense. And Michael Shannon is very profoundly mentally ill. Eventually is what you realize pretty quickly, uh, actually. And Ashley Judd gets caught up in what I would consider to be a folie a deux with him. And it's disturbing. And I would recommend it as a disturbing movie. So at a rundown desert motel, Agnes, Ashley Judd, begins a tentative relationship with a newcomer named Peter, Michael Shannon. And I will say, Ashley Judd's performance in this is really good. I like her. I like her too. Now, Harry Connick Jr. is also in this. He plays a bastard. Like he plays Mm. a total bastard very, very well. Okay. Let's put it that way. So Michael Shannon. He, he was good in, Harry, sorry, Harry Connick Jr. was the villain in Copycat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was good in that. Yeah. He was good as a bad guy. And so he's good in this too. He doesn't play a major part after about halfway through the movie. It, it, it takes a turn. Okay. The movie takes a turn you're not expecting. And then his, his kind of part of it in it isn't really relevant anymore. So Michael Shannon, whose name is Peter in this movie, he has a strange charisma, one that offers fearful and unstable Agnes a flicker of hope. When Peter reveals that the military deliberately infected him with a bug and that he has tiny insects crawling under his skin, paranoia begins to develop the desperate pair. So strong violence, nudity, sexuality, rated R, etc. When Friedkin is the director, so it's got uh, some of that sensibility. And I mean, it's not a movie kind of like the movie you just were talking about. It's not a movie you're going to run right out and see, but I thought it was a good horror movie Yeah, with a couple of twists and turns and whatever. And it's, 
I mean, I think it's Friedkin's best film in the last couple of decades. Yeah. <laughs> so it's weird to hear his name even pop up. I know. Isn't it awesome yeah. though? I mean, I, I like it for that reason as well. Thank you, Kathy, for the laughs and joy in this two years of shrink chat. Yeah. I'm looking forward though to still. Yep. Yeah. We're just going to take all the things we do here and we're going to incorporate them into a big fat episode that comes out all together called we the Tarot Talk Podcast, which is what we do anyway. We shall. So we're just so thankful for everyone who listens and we will see you next Wednesday with the first episode of season four. And we're, we're so looking forward to that. So thank you so much for listening. This has been the last episode of Shrink Chat. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shrink Chat. If you enjoy what we do here, there are two things you could consider. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media and checking out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or our Facebook page. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.